0: Harvard's got its crest and it has three books. One of the books was flipped over. And it's an understanding that God himself knows all and we as man do not. Well, you enter the progressive era and Harvard's like, what do you mean there's knowledge that we can't know? You
1: understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard?
0: We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive,
1: hateful. Why does this matter? Why do we care what's going on? The frightening thing is that these people so divorced from reality, they run all our institutions.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Loopcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Josh and Erica. And yes, you saw the thumbnail. We will be talking about the downfall of our once great Ivy League universities as Harvard has backed their president after some very controversial statements in Congress. But first, I'm going to ambush Josh, okay? Erica knew this was coming. Josh did not. So, Josh, I got I to gotta call you out for this. Kipper388 on YouTube. This is the exact comment. More Josh, exclamation point. Lots more Josh. Of course, I realize he is utterly busy, but I wish he had his own podcast. No, I have never met him, nor am I being paid. I have noticed he is loaded with information and knowledge. Plus, he has a great sense of humor. It's been like seven times. Hey, Josh. Josh, was that your your kid? Was that you? It's got to be, right?
0: <laughs> As first, I heard of it, but I will say Kipper <laughs> is a good TV show for kids, you know, I, I, <laughs> I do like kipper. kipper and my house my house yeah. was a caillou free house with i any ca- time someone <laughs> turn on kipper Amen. i mean uh caillou i'm like you're you're done you're washing dishes you know so hang you it got, up. you gotta have standards did, did we, so kipper i like did we that. ever
2: figure out Did we ever figure out why caillou is bald was that a
0: explained? that's the only thing that kids got right <laughs> not gonna criticize <laughs> <him>. all right <laughs>
2: All right. So we move into uh, Harvard now. Josh, please cool it on the the burner accounts going forward. But we move into what's going on at Harvard. Uh, So the the latest update is that Harvard uh, decided not to fire the president after their board met. That's where we're at in the full saga. But let's go back to the beginning. Erica, why was Harvard in the crosshairs in the first place?
1: Well, it all came to the forefront of public consciousness with this hearing in Congress last week. And what happened was uh, we have these student protests going on at our top elite universities. We've talked about them a lot here on the show. And the presidents of UPenn, Harvard, and MIT are called before Congress. Uh, Representative Elise Stefanik from New York, she grills them and asks them, does do calls for genocide of the Jews violate your code of conduct? And each of the presidents, you know, kind of prevaricated, very lawyer speak, very high academia. Well, it depends on the context, blah, blah, blah. The president of Penn, over the weekend resigned amid outcries, protesting her inability to say, yes, it is wrong to call for the genocide of a group of anyone, including Jews, as we have seen in our campuses. And so the big question was, any other heads going to roll here? Anyone else going to be fired? And instead, we get this sort of video apology, pseudo apology from Dr. Claudine Gay. Yes, that's her name. Dr. Claudine Gay, president of Harvard, saying, I, I've sought to confront hate. This is very difficult work. I know I don't always get it right, but we're committed to free expression at Harvard, even to views that are objectionable, offensive, and hateful. But I probably should have said calling for genocide is wrong. So that was her video apology. And over the and people just start calling for her to resign. Now, there's the free speech issue. And the the ratings for Harvard, it is the bottom of the barrel for free speech. According According it to is,
2: FIRE, it's the last, I think. It's the last. According rant. to
1: FIRE, it is the worst place in America to go for education and experience academic free speech. But nevertheless, she's falling on this as her reasoning for why it was so hard for her to condemn calls for genocide against the Jews. Not only do we have that issue, but Chris Rufo as well as now we're up to several other journalists over the weekend uncovered that president gay has been had a habit of plagiarizing and you got to understand in the in the ivy leagues in higher academia they allow all kinds of stuff like there 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 is no sin on earth there is nothing you can do no wrong except for plagiarism <laughs> copying other people's work that's the last standing the evil unforgivable that sin, these people right. It is the unforgivable sin unless you're Dr. Gay. Uh, So these, I don't even know
0: about that. uh, I mean, you don't even know about
1: that. I mean, it's,
0: what do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I think they just, I think Harvard wants to make, you know, they want, they're still the number one dog, right? They're still considered the best of the best of the best. Right. And they don't want to sound like they're going to respond to the actions of a mob. So I think they're going to kind of try to wait it out for a week or two or whatever maybe right before christmas or the end of the year she announces she's leaving or whatever i I just off to a cushy dei position the like that but i mean this whole controversy that's very fascinating because saturday night live did a whole skit on this and instead of lampooning these college presidents who couldn't muster the words to say yeah calling for genocide is bad obviously they decided saturday night live in their infinite wisdom decided to try to make fun of the the Republican lawmakers who just asked the question you know and in fact actually did you hear about this uh Cicely Strong the actress was actually supposed to play Elise Stefanik and she backed out of it she's like she couldn't do it yeah
1: yeah even Cecily. I mean
0: it's just right she
1: and she's like she makes fun of abortion she's very liberal right everyone and she wouldn't do this skit just very, telling.
2: even if just for, you know, being a smart comedian, knowing that this was not going to be fun, objectively, not the funny, part funny about those, right? Because the, the, uh, yeah, the, the funny part about even it laughing. is exactly, they do like. it as a cold open. So it's in front of a live audience and no one laughed. Yes, I mean, I've never true. seen a cold open where it there was, was no, flat because yeah. it was so like who, it was like who watched that event and then decided this would be the humorous angle to take. Not the fact that people would say. That you shouldn't genocide. So I'm talking an about the race. death
0: of comedy. Conservatives have an opportunity to step up and actually be funny because the other side has forgotten how to do it.
2: Yeah, and we'll get to our Lady Ballers review. Uh, two of us have watched. <laughs> I don't know if Josh has watched yet. But one one interesting thing. So I wanted to know specifically about Claudine Gay. And I looked into her background a little bit because I wasn't surprised that the U Penn president stepped down because she's a white lady. And many of the donors to these universities are Jewish. And so you basically have a gun to the head of these institutions of like someone's head needs to roll. Otherwise, you know, money's gone. But Claudine Gay is a little bit different because she's, she's a black woman. She was, by all accounts, a DEI hire. Most of her, uh, a, her thesis was actually written about um, sorry, not thesis. It was an order... What was this, Erica? His dissertation. The dissertation was about... This is for the PhD. Race, power, big politics. One. Like, it was it was everything you'd imagine out of a DEI person. But So I found this really interesting investigative report on her, and this was actually done in 2022. And I want to credit uh, the exact author because it was done so well. Um, and we'll have it linked. But it's by this guy, Christopher Brunet, And it was, it was titled The Curious Case of Claudine Gay. And I wanted to kind of see... How she got to this position, what her background was, and so it turns out that she's been the common thread in uh, scandals involving Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Weinstein, uh, Dominguez, Enos, and Fryer. So, for those names that's maybe less familiar, which Epstein and Weinstein are, are tough already. We're, we're starting off. We know off who there, those are. We know who those are. But basically, she was a part of a cover-up for a fabricated data set. So back to what Erica was saying about like the the cardinal sins. There's actually investigative units at universities to look into uh, the data sets used by their academics, because if they're false, I mean, it's 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 on the university, right? They don't want it.
0: their bad name. It's on the university. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly. It could totally denigrate the name and it could actually harm the value of the university. So there was uh, a whistleblower that came forward saying that this guy, Ryan Enos, in the government of department had falsified a data set. And Claudine Gay was actually in the department at the time, uh, by all accounts, aware of this. And she didn't do anything. And so because someone fell on the sword for this, she was elevated quickly to a leadership position. Mm. Uh, Eventually, she was elevated again to the president of Harvard, but she started off as the dean of faculty, I believe. Um, So she kind of continued to rise, rise, rise. um, And she's kind of got stink on her for they gave Jeffrey Epstein a phone in an office at Harvard. She was involved in that. Um, There was a young economist, by all accounts, like the most... uh, uh, prolific economist, young economist in the country, maybe even the world, this guy, Roland Fryer, African-American man, uh, she forced him out uh, <laughs> because his economics uh, went against all of her dis- dissertation. So you go in deeper and deeper, you find out, okay, problematic. Harvard by elevating problematic, of course, but Harvard putting their priorities first because she became the first black president of Harvard uh, and she's ran a very like a DEI. Uh, gang, essentially, by forcing out people that disagree. Harvard's putting that to their forefront. So does it surprise me that they were unable to, you know, say, no, we're not going to genocide the Jews? And yet at the same time, if you say, you know, fat or overweight, that's actually a part of something that could get you disciplined. It's considered harassment. misgendering someone, using the
1: wrong pronouns.
2: No, but I I think the broader point is they've lost their way, right? Because liberalism is anti-reality, so they're no longer grounded in reality. And I think that gets more towards like, what is the point of universities? And at some point, Harvard was separated from what the purpose of a university is.
0: Okay. So, I mean, first I want to step on like the diversity higher claim, you know, and the thing is we have to be careful about this. We want to try, you know, 60 years ago, it was only got white guys like me that were getting positions uh, of prominence. I understand that. And so you want to try to be open and welcoming of other people and other backgrounds, other faiths, you know, that's fine to an extent. You just want to make sure you don't make the mistake of saying we need to have somebody in this position that's new. That's th- then you get people like Sandra Day O'Connor appointed to the Supreme Court because you need to put a woman on there. And then she ends up being terrible, you know, so you got to be careful. Yeah, in recipes, but uh, you know, so you got to be careful about that. Now, of course, you know, Harvard used to be a religious school, and I want to started, what four hundred some years ago, <laughs> and it's obviously drifted far from that. It believes in the religion of today, right? The progressive, uh, modern religion. My friend used to say Harvard really embraced modernity when they changed their seal. So Harvard's got its crest. With the slogan Veritas, which is Latin for truth, and it has three books. Okay. Now, when they first used this symbol many, many, many years ago, one of the books was flipped over. And that represented the knowledge that humans, man, could not know. Because, you know, there's so many things that are just not revealed to us. And it's an understanding that God himself knows all, and we as man do not. Well, of course, you enter the progressive era and Harvard's like, what do you mean there's knowledge that we can't know? It's just, we just don't know it yet. So they flip the book over. And so all three books are up. And, and that to me is like the, the hubris of man to think that, that there's no limits to our capacity to know everything. And, and and now when you enter in the more progressive era for you know, even more, the, the more modern era, There's a discussion about this online. I think I saw Sean Trendy and some others talk about this, but that because of the GI bill, you still had people with blue collar backgrounds that would end up being PhDs and teaching at Harvard up until like maybe the 1990s. But now over the last 20 some years, it's all people who have very elite backgrounds and don't really have a tangible everyday experience with what I would call normal working class Americans. And so it's just become untethered from any kind of you know reality at this point. Right.
1: Yeah, and I think the frightening thing is that we were having this conversation in the virtual office here at Catholic Vote yesterday, is, is like, why does this matter? Why do we care what's going on in the upper echelons of Harvard? You do you, we'll keep you know homeschooling our kids and building our own institutions. Well, here's the problem. The frightening thing is that these people so divorced from reality, they run all our institutions. And again, this is something else we talk about a lot. The long march through the institutions, the people running the major companies, running the high schools and the state colleges that we go to, they all graduated from these insulated, progressive institutions. Our, our Supreme Court they all go to Yale, except for Amy Coney Barrett Notre Dame shout out they all they go to Yale and Columbia and Harvard and our all of our elites who actually govern us in a practical manner the way the things that affect us practically they come from these institutions right. where I think a recent poll at Wall Street Journal was saying only twenty percent of students in Ivy League institutions identify as conservative and that's higher than i thought that's not not, it is higher than i thought i was shocked but
2: not reflective of the general population not even close
0: well then actually though the diversity to your point eric i think you brought up a great point like in terms of what does diversity mean like people today only think of diversity as skin color or identity sexual identity or something like that and i remember when I, I thought John Paul Stevens was a super liberal Supreme Court justice. I couldn't stand him. But when he left the court, there, there was no veterans on the, on the court anymore. And he was the, only, he was the last Protestant. You know? And he actually, even though he was very liberal on so many issues, he actually believed burning the flag was not truly speech and, should, and the government had a right to prevent you from doing so. And so when he left, then you had nine people in the court at the time, Catholics and Jews, and they were all were from the Ivies. So that you see the difference there.
1: Absolutely. And I think the, the free speech thing there that you just brought up, so is burning the flag protected under the First Amendment? And he's going to argue no. And part of the issue here, it's that you know, these presidents get up and they say things like, well, free speech. Well, the point of free speech isn't to just be able to say whatever the heck you want. In an academic environment, the point of free speech is for another end. It's not an end in itself. The end is civil discourse and being able to live together. That's the art of politics, is being able to live together. But what we're seeing these presidents defend is not civil discourse. It's the right of students to shout slogans, to, to it's all, it's propaganda, it's protests, it's, it's not saying, okay, we need to create um, an environment in which students are challenged to back up their opinions with evidence and thoughtful discourse with one another and exchange of ideas. That's not the free speech they're talking about. They're talking about the sort of mob mentality that exists in our higher ed institutions and only the approved uh, slogans.
2: Well, yeah,
1: because I had a exactly I had a question
2: for you, Josh, because it almost seems synonymous now with the modern university to have these kind of shout down sessions where people will go into a speaker they don't like and just yell protest uh kind of screaming slogans not it, it's it, it just seems like that's a reality that i've come to accept that that's happening at most universities was that always a thing because i think back to like vietnam i know there was a lot of protests but were the protests the same in nature or was there a difference between the fundamentally
0: two? different i mean so you'd have protests at state universities because oh you're working with the department of defense and they would have these sit-ins where the kids would all just like leave class and, and and they wouldn't go to classes and they would and they would protest out in the quad or whatever and do that kind of stuff there were a lot of protests but i think you know it, now people are like it's you know in the it, during the hippie time they would protest and make a lot of noise and cause a ruckus But now over the last 15 years or so, they've decided to elevate it. So like, no, I need to make sure I'm inconveniencing you in order to make a point. I need to make it painful for you so that you will in turn change things on my behalf. And so we're seeing that at the universities now, shouting out, you know, kicking conservatives off a campus because they literally aren't safe. And then because we didn't stop them at the universities, because we didn't kick these students out or suspend them. Or punish them in some way, then what happens when they get out of the university just the you know just a couple of days ago, right in my hometown of Minneapolis, boom, they shut down the freeway again, and this kind of stuff happens a lot, and it's like it's precisely because these kids were were always pampered in a sense, no matter what they do, we could never say no to them, and they just you know like I mean to me it's like throw these people in jail and actually... Right, but c- could, you, could you pair
2: that then with also lack of enforcement? Because what they're doing is illegal.
0: Yes, of course it's a lack of enforcement. Absolutely. That's my point. Like if they right. weren't, there was no enforcement on the university campus, and so then they're just going to go on and do this in real life uh, you know, on, the, on the freeway. And even then, what, what happens? The police remove them, they put them in jail overnight and they get like a fine or something like that. And it's not that much of an inconvenience for them and they get to get a little bit of a hero status. Ah, I was in the jail. I was in this is cool. Right. So that's why I think we should bring back caning, or something, or frogging for some of these cases. I mean, this.
1: It would be. It a would deterrence. be a deterrent. Like, for wait a minute, sure. I
0: might get hit by a stick or something like that. You know, and bring out the bobbies <laughs> with real, actual police sticks. The stocks. You know, make it. Public make them the, I don't uh, think I want to do this.
1: It's how Boston started. It might as well be while well, they keep going. I mean, come on, bring back Cambridge, Cambridge <laughs> mouth.
2: <laughs> that's that's a quite the suggestion uh so i think i want to
1: <laughs> i just if i could just interject i want to also say that this lack of enforcement that josh is talking about at the student level it's what we're seeing now at the highest level i think with president gay that you know if you go if you went through the comments on social media defending her and her plagiarism it was just astonishing to read some of these dei you know, top tier professors at difference. Well, in her culture, plagiarism doesn't exist because resources created for the community can be used by the community. And this sort of like the the standards what? that, yeah, no, Wait, you can go read them. Look at Dr. Carol Swain, Man, who was
2: pro- Why wasn't that around was, when I was in college? I would've been sick.
1: People were trashing on her saying, I know, right? Like, hey, someone created it. It's just community property now. Yeah, This sort of like- total it's, the, it's the power rules play don't all means all,
0: all all by all means necessary
1: but
2: that's kind of the thing too and, and all of my research on her she's been elevated to leadership positions even though she's remarkably unproductive in terms of academics and she, right, she's
1: published 11 papers in her career rem- and I mean, that's, the
2: papers one of the papers that she published her entire data set again was was um the method was improper so there's a huge uh, footnote saying like Hey, this wasn't done correctly. So the only thing that she's technically responsible for in academia was done incorrectly, and she's been elevated, 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 and she's used those positions to force out people with actual talent, actual work ethic. No offense, but on academic terms, Roland Fryer is absolutely prolific. He belonged to be. He deserved deserved to be at Harvard. He deserved to have tenure. He was removed. So it, it's like it's. It goes back to what Josh always says: like it's about power. She knows how to manipulate the power, and she's using one of the most powerful tools we have right now, which is this DEI uh, empire, basically to use the race card to push people wherever you want.
0: I mean, if these people didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. I, I think just screaming hypocrisy is kind of until you're blue in the face is kind of stupid. But it is still important okay. to call people out. I agree with that.
2: It's important. And this is, this is my question. And, I, and this kept coming up in my mind after I'm hearing all this. So Harvard, clearly, for the past couple of years, has not been pro-free speech. I mean, anyone who's been paying attention to this, seeing like what they do to people with the gender stuff, what people do uh, with all the sensitivity to different intersectionality areas you can offend people, Like that's all hate speech and harassment, according to Harvard's Code of Conduct. But when it comes to actual genocide of the Jews, it's not. So when people were calling out Harvard, they're like, how could this possibly not be uh, illegal essentially. But in my mind, I'm like, aren't we kind of playing their game a little bit because we're just choosing something that we don't want to be said, which like, of course, that's a horrible thing to say. But it also, if people want to give the Palestinian perspective or whatever, according to free speech law, you know, up until that's why I was thinking about this. I'm like, uh, yelling. I have a, there's a fire in a movie theater or I have a gun on an airplane. What, where does that land in terms of free speech? And then also, is it even worth calling out these people as hypocrites because they're just like they found ways to justify saying what they want to say is okay, and then other ways to say what they don't want to be said. It's okay to clamp down
0: on that. Yeah, I mean, they're playing here's by the thing. a
2: completely different set of rules
0: as Americans because we have so many different peoples from all over the world that live in this country. We tend to get, you know, and we have the rule of law. We have the Constitution, which it would be really great if we'd follow it. But we, but we have this idea of the rule of law instead of rule of men, and we're not just like a you know a common ethnic background, right? And so it becomes necessary then to say, well, here's the principles that govern our society: the First Amendment, right to you know free speech, freedom of assembly, freedom to practice your own religion, all that kind of stuff, and the Second Amendment to back it up, bang bang. But the thing is we got to move away from this kind of concept of absolutism. Okay. And I'm not talking about moral theology here. I'm not talking about that, but like in general, like when it comes to free speech, you should have a very robust free speech, but that doesn't mean, you know, triple X pornography. It doesn't mean burning a flag in public. It certainly doesn't mean holding up traffic. And it doesn't mean calling for, I mean, you can call for technically, I would think in a free society, you have the right to call for genocide, You know, in Germany, they don't even allow it. If you want to, in Germany, because they had so many problems, obviously, with with Nazi Germany, it's illegal to to promote publicly the Nazi teachings. In this country, we're like, you know what? We believe in free speech so much. We'll allow that, even though it's repugnant. And I think in general, that's a good philosophy to have very robust free speech. But the question is, on a university campus, is it okay to call for that? Can they be a little bit more restrictive so that they say, we don't want people on our campus publicly screaming for the mass genocide of peoples? That's perfectly fine for Harvard. I think that's a, I think that's a noble thing to say, we're going to prevent you from calling for the mass slaughter of an entire ethnicity. So when you say, well, does someone have the, the right to, to represent the the, Gaza, the the view of Palestinians in Gaza? I mean, they certainly do but not if they are calling for the mass slaughter of an entire ethnicity.
1: Right. And and how hard would it have been for her? I mean, obviously too hard, but how hard would it have been for her to say something like, just as we have strict uh, rules regarding speech that has to do with sexual identity, we have strict rules regarding speech calling for genocide. Because Harvard has rules. It has guidelines. And I know, Josh, Pointing out hypocrisy isn't a thing, but it, I got a like, question for you. Erica. Do anything, but it's go for. What it. if
0: Congressman Stefanik had uh, backed up that question by saying, "If all the Jews were trans, would then it be okay to call for the mass slaughter, <laughs> or would that be would that be finally wrong? You know, <laughs> that's a protected class. Yeah, now they're protected. Yeah, that, they're the all protected trans, class. so now they're protected. Yeah. Now you can't kill them all.
1: Well, and you mentioned Germany, though. You mentioned how Germany, because of its history. It actually does forbid, you know, calls for genocide
0: in the public square.
1: Uh, more power Or to even them. any like, prom- promotion of Nazi
0: materials. You, know, you can't have the swastika right. or anything.
1: Right. You can't have the flag or Is Right. I mean, uh, there was a wonderful piece, a chilling piece in the free pa- press this past weekend. I'll link it in the show notes, showing the the parallels between what's going on in America's elite universities now and what was happening in the German universities in the 1920s, so just 100 years ago. And this, this one author um, who himself ended up leaving Germany, Julian Benda, in what he called the, the treason of the academics, great title, um, he accused the intellectuals um, of his time of dabbling in, quote, the racial passions, class passions, and national passions, owing to which men rise up against other men. And he was saying how the papers and the publications, the journals, the dissertations that came out of 1920s Germany were actually used to then practically engineer the Holocaust, the Nazi uh, takeover of German society. And the the piece points out how you have these sort of DEI equivalents in pre Hitler Germany, laying the intellectual foundation. And that just brings me back to my point that. It's easy to say, okay, Harvard is a clown show. It's just a, you know, we can ignore it. We just don't send our kids there. We can build our own little communities to, but we don't have to go outside of them. But that's not true. Well, In, if it's we half watch true. history, it comes for all of us.
0: We, sh- it's we half should true, not which send why our kids so there. They are a clown show. But the point you're trying right. to don't make, send your kids to Harvard. I w- which I agree, is that doesn't mean.
1: What's the point I'm trying to We don't to make. get to ignore them <laughs> because it. they
0: do make a difference unfortunately whether we like it or not.
1: I'm going to call the DEI office and get my mansplain yeah. complaining. But but No, but you but right.
2: Harvard gets how much money from the government right now? I mean Harvard is Getting billions of dollars from the U.S. government, billions, and a lot of U.S. policy is determined by places like Harvard. So it's not like we can't ignore this and say, "Oh, go build a new college." It's like, well, let's stop giving money to these places. That's why
0: I like Steve Bannon's proposal to start taxing these endowments. You know,
2: heck these, yeah! I mean, it's, oh, it's, I'm,
0: I'm all for that. It's such a joke. I mean, Harvard University is like a hedge fund that teaches classes. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
1: Its endowment is fifty-one billion. $51 billion Why don't they send some money to the Ukraine. endowment at Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. Come on, guys. They're the ones calling for uh, it. Uh,
2: but, but I think maybe the one thing about this whole saga that I think that is the real point, uh, I, I have an issue with like the corporatism and the corporate speak that has infected almost every area of life, it seems like, where a human being wouldn't be able to sit there and be like, yeah, it's wrong to call for the genocide of the Jews. I know that they're asking about Harvard policy. But if no one in the Harvard organization, including the president, would be able to articulate that that is wrong and reprehensible as a human being, we almost have this weird like muzzle on everyone they, where they feel like they can't just speak as a human being or talk as they want to talk because they have to say the right thing. They don't want to offend the, the wrong people. I just want to get back to where people felt authentic. And I, I think that people are getting there and a lot of independent... Um, I see it a lot in independent media now. I mean, you look at Tucker just started his own network, which is awesome. Even the free press. Think about how great the free press has been for people that want, you know, a, a authentic Jewish perspective on events that have been going on. I mean, free press start seems like it was started at the right time. But if at in, it's the same thing with um. There was an expose uh, that, um, shoot, I'm blanking on the name. He was with uh, Veritas, uh, Project O'Keefe. Veritas. He's not like O'Keefe. James O'Keefe. O'Keefe. Yeah. He's did an expose on IBM. Someone sent him a leaked meeting. President of IBM got in front of the enti- all of the leadership uh, from their DEI person who asked the question who of course, is a white woman, uh, asked about their diversity uh, quotas in uh, leadership, which of course is illegal because that's discrimination based on uh, employment-based discrimination. But he got out and said, well, I want our employment at the leadership level to reflect exactly eventually the percentages of different races and then also sex in society. So he said, we need to, and I've fired people for not getting them there. So we need 15% of leadership to be black. We need this percentage of leadership to be Hispanic. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. Asian Americans are not uh, a a protected class anymore. They're not a minority in tech. So we don't care about them. Um, This was said Yeah, he said that literally
1: in the interview. It was (laughs) the most
2: shocking illegal. I mean, there has to be a lawsuit following after that, but
1: this is IBM. Well, the feds went after Tesla. For that. Right. And they're <laughs> for, all over for Tesla
2: for whatever. Yeah.
0: It reminds me that. I should forget joke. the stand-up comic who said that, but he said, Do you ever notice how the DEI diversity hire stuff never works in sports? You know, there's no one at the at <laughs> right? the front offices of the NBA saying, Gosh, we just have too many black men. Maybe we should get some white guys yeah. out here. You know, maybe we'll
1: We should reflect society. Here's what better. we'll do. Yeah. He
0: said, We'll mandate, you know, two white guys in every NBA team, no matter what. And he's like I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. Indonesian it's like, yeah, dude. Eric, I know you're open. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll leave it at we'll leave it at that. Uh, so quick add, we have a we had Trent Horn. Trent Horn, a good guy, good program. He was on the Edify podcast. It was a good prep for the holidays. It was about how to talk to people that are using very uh, hyperbolic, extreme language. Uh, around the holiday table so if you want to know how to better handle that situation be prepared go check out that episode good job from the friends at edify so uh next section the, and this has some real implications and it's kind of the first of what seems like many coming but there was the first Dobbs abortion restriction lawsuit in texas so in texas there was an abortion case uh from a lady named katie cox or kate cox she was a texan who was 18 weeks pregnant with her third child And it had been revealed the child had trisomy 18, also known as Edwards syndrome. So she was uh, suing Texas for the ability to get an abortion. I know there's more, it's kind of nuanced. It might not, it's not actually that simple. And I want Erica to explain it fully, but she has actually fled to Colorado to actually finish the abortion, which is sad. Uh, But this is going to have impacts for a lot of states that have uh post-obs abortion restriction laws. So Erica, what was the exact case with Kate Cox? It was a little weird.
1: Yeah, this is a tragic case. Um obviously anytime a woman feels like she has to kill the child inside her because the child is quote unquote incompatible with life, which is not necessarily true for trisomy eighteen. It is a it is a dire diagnosis. Many children who have trisomy eighteen don't make it to birth. Uh, many more don't make it to their first birthday. Uh, but nonetheless that's not a reason to kill your child, obviously. So that being said, the Texas law that restricts abortion, it does have allowances for the health of the mother. And her doctors had told her that to carry this child to term would compromise her ability to have children in the future. Whether or not that was a a, a rightful prognosis for her uh, or was motivated by other political implications kind of became clear as the case wore on. So she went to ask for a court order, uh, saying that she fit the exemption under Texas law that she could abort the baby after um, the, I believe it's the the heartbeat was detected. Right. Once she brings this request to the courts, and a lower court, so this would have been uh, the county district judge Maya Gamble. She instead of saying yes, you fit the bill for the exemption to the Texas abortion restriction. She instead chose to temporarily restrict the state attorney general and other state officials from enforcing Texas abortion laws against hospitals and doctors who would have performed the abortion on Katie Cox's child. Now, the Texas Supreme Court comes, and notice the subtlety there, right? She didn't say, okay, you fit the bill, you're exempt from the abortion restriction, you may go get an abortion in Texas. She said, I'm going to restrict the law itself and the people enforcing the law. That's key. This is an activist move. So the Texas Supreme Court comes back and restores the state's ability to enforce its own laws. Um, but it didn't put an end to the lawsuit, to the, to the litigation going on. And that's also important because if you read the progressive media, if you read the mainstream media, you will see headlines like Texas mom forced to carry dying baby." Or you will see abortion for a uh, re- woman forbidden from aborting child, you know, dying child. It, this is the outcry from the left was so great that, oh, my gosh, they're they're harming the life of this. They're they're threatening the life of this woman. The baby's going to die anyway. And even from conservative, quote unquote, thinkers like Ann Coulter. Oh, oh my goodness. Can, can we stop calling and her Ann that? Ann Coulter please? comes out with. Let's, okay, let's stop calling her a conservative thinker, okay.
0: please. My You're gosh. right, and Coulter, see, but, uh, whatever she is, OK, loose cannon. So she's gone off. Ann Coulter's gone off on pro-lifers lately. She's blaming pro-lifers for everything. now. Yeah. you know, and yeah. and she she blamed us for the 22 midterm election. You know that disappointment, and then she also blamed us in, with regards to Ohio. She said, she said, pro-lifers are going to wipe out the Republican Party, and so she popped off on this case. She went to Twitter. Or X, I still call it, Twitter to me, and she and she said she was agreeing with this Texas woman, saying it's this baby is incompatible with life. Why are pro-lifers being so stupid with this? And I was so happy to see the response by pro-life hero Rick Santorum. He was awesome. Yeah, he said he shows he shows a picture of his daughter Bella. Meet my incompatible with life daughter Bella. Her. Her docs put her on hospice at 10 days old. Other countries may have higher survival rates than the U.S. because they treat the baby, not the diagnosis. Every kid deserves a shot at life, not to be brutally dismembered for not being perfect. So kudos to Sina Torm.
1: Beautiful response. And, and there have been awesome responses all over the internet. Just, again, like, on the one hand, The case wasn't even saying that if you actually look at the case, the reason the Texas Supreme Court came down and ruled, quote unquote, against the woman was had nothing to do with the merits of the case or, you know, the is she does she qualify for an abortion? Well, one would say say it's
2: not even about against the woman. It was against the ruling from the judge below. It wasn't even like, yeah.
1: Exactly. But you look at, again, you look at the way that this woman, this poor woman who is so sold on this idea that a baby with a trisomy 18 diagnosis somehow deserves to be, like, she has to kill this baby um, ahead of time. Like, you can't just wait for nature to take its course because somehow that wouldn't be merciful or something. Like, she, this woman is clearly under that kind of delusion. So lots of pity for her and and prayers that she comes to a, a real recognition of the dignity of that child's life on the one hand. But the way that she is being used by progressive, the, the Center for maybe, Reproductive Rights maybe she's
0: allowing, basically I brought mean, this case. I don't know. Is she being used or is she a willing participant? I mean, it seems like she's on board.
1: Okay. Willing participant. The AP they used for their, Peter Wolfgang pointed this out on social media the AP and the the mainstream media, they're using this picture of her pregnant oh, in a disgusting. black shirt, cradling her, her belly, and they're pairing it with these headlines like forced to carry. And she's smiling and she's cradling yep. her belly. And then it goes into this sob story about how you know, Dobbs ruined it for women like this that she can't just kill the baby quietly and in privacy. She has to go through this process. I'm like, as
2: if this was somehow the majority of cases. Yeah, There's, the left this loves is like, yeah. their
0: narrative. They
1: always go to the extreme, they argue right. from the extreme.
2: Yeah, and it, it is said. And you know what? Not to Illinois as well. There was finally, finally, uh, there was such oh, an goodness. aggressive piece of legislation that was making pregnancy resource care centers basically illegal. Uh, and it was finally reversed. And to think that
0: yeah, it was basically reversed because they sued, and the attorney general realized he was going to lose, so he he says right, he won't because force of course,
2: it. right, of course, like like these dangerous centers that just give diapers and care to women. But it's sad. I'm really actually sad for this woman specifically because she is going to have a lot of trauma for this, D- n- even if she's a willing participant, even if she's not. Whatever the full case is, that abortion is going to scar her permanently. And I'm sure she's going to think back about it as many women do that have had abortions and now have to live with that kind of guilt. And it's sad that the contemporary answer to these women is that it, they should be happy about the ability to do this. They should be, this is central to being a woman. It's the ability to do this, this is if freeing. possible. This is somehow freedom. And the true, I think, place that we need to work to is to make this unthinkable for a woman, that there'd be so much support available for someone in this situation that they would actually be accompanied upon. And people have had stillbirth children. People have had children that maybe didn't even have a diagnosis before that died somehow early. And that's like, that's another traumatic experience. I think the true thing would be to accompany her and give her support throughout this experience, not tell her to kill her child, and then she's off to be able to do whichever she wants. This is going to live with her for the rest of her life. And in the way that she's supported right now could make a huge difference for how she feels going forward, as opposed to the answer, kill it, you're free. It's just yeah, and disgusting.
1: I, I will drop in the show notes a couple of resources for women, for families who have had a difficult prenatal diagnosis um, or a terminal illness for one of their children um, because there is that support. It does exist. There are communities of, of women and families who have gone through this and are ready to walk with we you. We should offer
0: it. I think what you, you two are talking about is great, but we just have to understand as well, though, That there are men and women both who have hardened their hearts. And you do have to pray, but sometimes it's not a lack. In this case, this woman in Texas, I don't think it's a lack of resources. We could give her everything she wanted, and she's not going to unfortunately change her mind. So, uh, you you do that's where that's why the prayer component to the prolife movement is essential. We need to pray that God can move uh, the hearts of men and women who have been hardened. Tone shift.
2: Uh, I watched Lady Ballers pretty quickly. Erica, I know you just watched it. Josh, I don't know. I if I watched you're there it yet. last night, just for you. The drama, humor. sorry. So, Erica, what did you think? You just saw it. It's fresh.
1: Okay, so for those of you who are not like Daily Wire junkies and you don't know what Lady Ballers is, it's the Daily Wire's new full length feature film, making fun of mocking the trans uh, women in in girls sports. So it's the premise of the movie is. There's this down and out high school basketball coach, total failure, his family's falling apart, and he he wants to relive his glory days so he gets back together his old state championship team. They're all grown men now, and he <laughs> they all pretend to be girls and they go compete in this like pre-Olympics trial tournament and it's just it's just, it mocks every facet of woke culture. It's it's very loose, very free. I mean, it it was fun. I had a good time. Definitely would rather watch Jeremy Boring be a down and out basketball coach with a trans team than uh like Adam Sandler, for example, in any disagree. But no, I know. Disagree. I know. I, I don't like Adam.
2: Sandler's Adam Sandler is the goal of I like Adam these Sandler too. Yeah, but
1: it it was a good laugh. It was a good laugh. It was basically clean. It ish, was yeah, it was yeah, a probably. good time. Oh no, pogo. Ish, yeah, end? it
2: ish. it uh I actually was surprised how much they pushed the. I did appreciate the like reporter thread. Spo- spoilers, by the way, if anyone's planning to watch yeah, this, probably the skip best past part this. was
1: Michael Knowles. Uh, best part, yeah,
2: yeah, that was funny. But the, the reporter thread about reporters having no values and being absolutely savages was pretty funny <laughs> to me
1: personally because <laughs>
2: uh, I found that to be very true.
1: The journalists, yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, they did actually push that a little like raunchier than I thought they would go. Just that, yeah, as a, a whole, raunchy. it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Um, but one thing really came to mind. First off. In terms of quality, it's just as good as some like Netflix comedies that I've seen. Uh, The acting was pretty solid. Uh, So even just there was already better than I expected because this is their first kind of foray into it. I really didn't have super high hopes. But in terms of quality right there with a lot of other stuff, honestly, maybe laugh more than a lot of, you know, big production value stuff that I've seen. Uh, And then also just the I mean, this is the most obviously funny concept that has been a part of our lives for the past, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. And no one has made fun of it except South Park and now Daily Wire is just shocking. <laughs> like Even comedians aren't touching this until like as of recent. And what is more funny than a man playing in a woman's sport and dominating? I mean, South Park had a, a, a one of their, their best episodes where they had a really jacked dude with a beard uh, become a woman and just destroy everyone. But even the thing with South Park is those are cartoons. There's still a little bit of a separation from like having actual humans with names and likenesses portray how funny this concept is because you're staking yourself behind it now so i think it's actually important that we have more things like this because people have the courage to actually do it um i think it was a good first try i I was i was entertained uh i'm think it'll probably improve if they continue to do more of them there was a few things like some minor if they would have just maybe done a script review a few more times maybe tighten it up a little bit i thought it was a little bit long And then, Some of the
1: editing, there's like odd gaps at certain points. You're like, "What's the pause for, guys?" But yeah, yeah. But I again, agree. first try, first shot. I don't want to. I don't want to talk shot. too
2: down on it. And then I think there is not. Here's the other thing too, and I hope they aspire to this. Erica may disagree, but I, I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. I think that. Some of his movies are just absolute classics. I mean, you go back to like the best thing he ever did
1: was the Hanukkah song. I'm sorry. Hanukkah song is good. It was all downhill from Uh,
2: that. Happy Gilmore was awesome. 51st Dates is a classic.
1: (laughs) No, it's terrible. But the one one movie
2: that I thought actually had a little bit of a comparison is the movie Click, if anyone has seen it. And there's a moment in the movie Click. So the movie Click is just super goofy. I mean, just slapstick out there. And then there's a moment in Click where it just hits you like a train. And it came out of mm-hmm. nowhere. And I still think about the scene where he kind of realizes that his life has passed him by. And Adam Sandler, of course, like is pretty unique. I don't know if there'll be another one, but he's able to some of his movies, he's able to put moments in that just completely stick with you. Like, I still think about some moments from his movies and it comes out of nowhere because he hits you with the slapstick comedy and then all of a sudden it gets real. And
1: Steve Carell's kind of Steve the same Carell similar. Yeah, yeah, like with, this, with the
2: office, he was able to do that really well. So. I think like there was an opportunity for a moment like that in Lady Ballers that I think if they may, uh, they shifted a few things, and emphasized a few things differently, they could have had that moment, which is cool to know that mm-hmm. potentially even there, but I don't think it really
0: yeah. happened. There's an interesting moment though, like Adam Sandler was at NYU and his one professor took him out for like drinks and it's just like, Adam, I just, I got to tell you, I got to be frank, acting is just not for you. You really just got, it just got to <laughs> give it up. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And Adam is just like, you know, okay, all right. Well, then, you know, 10, 15 years later, Adam's out with his boys. They're all drinking, and he sees the same professor. And instead of coming up to him and sticking it to him and just calling him out, he goes, come, to the professor, come here, have drinks with us. And he's like, this is my professor. He took me out for drinks. He's such a nice guy. He had such an opportunity to totally oh. dunk in your face. And he was magnanimous about it. And it was just kind of so. That's I mean, awesome. I do like Adam Sandler as a person too. Uh, you know, it seems like, you know, for that story, just nice guy overall. So I want to give him a shout yeah, out. Okay. It,
1: My estimation good, of him just rose. Good.
2: Uh, that's a cool lesson too, I think, because that probably motivated him significantly Absolutely. To, to be who he was. And so yeah. instead of using that as like, I hate you, it's like, oh, thank you for that almost. Like you gave me the fuel that. You fueled me enough. And then to be magnanimous, I think, is the best comeback because it's like I made it and now I don't need to be vindictive or nasty. So, yeah, shout out to Adam oh, Seller. Love that. <laughs> I love that, Adam Siler movies. <laughs> we're moving to the Twilight Zone now. Uh, Erica, you're up first.
1: All right. We're going to go with more free speech questions. Oh, boy. I was, I was torn between Taylor Swift as person of the year. I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift being person of the year, but if you want to hear more, I would highly recommend Peachy Keenan's Substack. She has a <laughs> evisceration.
0: She's of the
2: best.
1: White female liberal culture. I got to read it. A, that sounds good. Uh, cameo by Taylor Swift. So, yeah, you got to go over to Peachy Keenan. I'll link it. It, it was great. And I can't. Even touch her amazing rundown of what happened there at Time Magazine. So I'm going to go with Satanic idols in the Iowa State Capitol. Oh, so. We have. <laughs> oh, I know. So at the, the state Capitol has a winter holiday display, which in the past has approved a nativity scene. You know, great shocker there. And there's Christmas trees. There's snowmen. There's Saint Nicholas or not Saint Nicholas, just Santa Claus. This year. The Satanic Temple of Iowa did not ask for permission to put up an image of Beelzebub or Behemoth or whatever they want to call him, Baphomet. They were invited by the State House Decorating Committee to bring an, an idol dressed in, we have evergreen and red ribbons. And this little idol is right by the main staircase and it's the head of the goat with the big horns and everyone. It's Satan. And again, This was the the reason was that, well, we we've approved the nativity, which is they have to ask for that permission every year. So we also need to include proactively the Satanic Temple for being the Satanic Temple. They're wrong. That's not the necessarily the Twilight Zone element here. Twilight Zone element are all of the local paper Des Moines Register op eds in support of the Satanic Temple. This one, though, really got me. So this is Representative John Dunwell, who is a state representative there. He walks past this and he writes this statement. He says, I certainly find a display from the satanic temple objectionable. It stands in direct opposition to my faith and would be classified as evil. So he's saying, as a Christian, this is evil. But then he says, but I don't want the state evaluating and making determinations about religions. This sort of schizophrenic statement, it's like it's the wrong, Protestant wrong, wrong, Mario wrong, Cuomo. Wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, 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 <laughs> right? You can't be like, okay, this half of me is like, this is evil. And this half of me is like, this is a celebration of my country. And As First David Amendment. French would say, a blessing just,
0: of liberty, right? <laughs> just like he <it> did for <laughs> trans. Right. of liberty. <laughs> what, <laughs> what they don't understand is they're wrong on the law, by the way. So there is a Supreme yes. Court case, Pleasant Grove City versus them in 2009, and the Supreme Court said, placing a monument in a public park, which is exactly what this would be like, a display inside of a state capitol, placing a monument in a public park is government speech. So it is not covered by the First Amendment. So- The state of Iowa has every right to exercise its own government speech on its government property. You do not have a First Amendment right to have every viewpoint represented. No, you are wrong, 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 (laughs) wrong, 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 So Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa, she needs to say, well, I mean, religious freedom, I don't, I personally object to this thing, but no, 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 no. Get it right, Kim. She's a good governor most of the time. But on this and a few state lawmakers, they're missing the boat, guys. No, we don't, don't use the religious freedom as an excuse to have evil stuff in our state capitals. Get rid of it.
2: Like, what's the Iowa equivalent of the Tiber that we can throw it into?
1: Missouri River? I
2: don't know. I mean. It needs to go in there, though. They're flanked by the Missouri and smashed.
0: Mississippi River, but the, uh, the, there's, neither of those rivers are in the city of Des Moines. But either way, we could toss it.
2: Again, this doesn't this kind of get back to though like this is wrong. Everyone knows it's wrong, and even the people defending are kind of like oh, being kind of cute, like oh well, it's kind of kind of like. And the
0: whole purpose of the Satanists is to do this just to stick it or their finger uh, well, a finger in our eye. I mean, right.
2: right? Where are the men that would just pick that up and smash it? Right yeah like why Saint can't we get back to that like why seriously i don't understand. it's the same thing it, it has applications to what claudine gay we got to call that guy from that. austria everyone knows this is wrong
0: We got to call that guy from austria to come over to iowa yeah. throw it in the river the
1: one who threw paca in the Tiber? yeah, throw it in the missouri yep.
2: river like it's
0: wrong to destroy guy. it
2: let's move on like why where have we why is our country like this now like it's wrong destroy it move on like it just seems that simple so i have a fun one and a not fun one fun one italy is back uh, my counter to the whole Taylor Swift thing is this quarterback for the New York Giants, Tommy DeVito. Uh, he is one of the most aggressively Italian people I've seen in society in a long time. His agent looks like he's straight out of Goodfellas. I'm not exaggerating how much joy this has brought me over the past couple of days just seeing all of this.
1: It's all he talks about. His
2: nickname is Tommy Cutlets, and quarterback celebration he goes like this with the pinched fingers, which is just. Are you even Italian? This is so fun. I'm not Italian, but I just so just love, an appreciation. I, just, I, I love appropriating. Yeah, yeah, I, I like appropriating Italian culture, and forget I forget about it. We need Delicious. more Italians. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. So, well, New York is back. New York Italians are back. I'm fired. Right, up about he's Jersey. He's uh, Jersey. Well, right, but he's playing for New York, and there's plenty of Italians in New York. But so like, the New York team Jersey plays Italian. in New Jersey.
0: Yeah. So don't even give me that.
2: Oh, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, New there Jersey. New Jersey Italians are back.
1: Can you just give us a rundown of their tailgate party? Yes. Menu they
2: had, oh. yeah, they yeah. had an Italian tailgate party uh, with, where they had meatballs, they had oh, yeah. pasta, chicken cutlets, chicken cutlets. I mean,
1: meatballs, and then, rice balls. You know how the NFL,
2: like they'll have the Little camera Italy. in between uh, games during commercials, like it'll kind of pan through fans. It was like, we're going to go to the Italian tailgate right now. And it was kind of panning through fans. And I swear it was straight out of Goodfellas. Like <laughs> everyone in his family looks like they're in Goodfellas. It's amazing. Like fat fingers with the cigar puffing, like the dad's kind of posted up.
0: Cutting onions with a razor blade, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it is just it is awesome. And I also was kind of thinking about this too. Like everyone loves doing the, the finger thing and talk about Italians. And I guess by today's standards, that would kind of be like hate speech or appropriation. But I feel like the Italians, like they kind of love, like they're like, yeah, we're the best. Oh, like, they love it. You guys can talk about us all you want. We're the best. We think we're the best. Our food's the best. We like we're chilling. We don't we don't need to get in these fights about people appropriating our culture. Like, have some meatballs. So, anyway.
1: Well, and I love that Italy's he calls his, his agent, he calls him the Italian stallion of <laughs> sports agents. <laughs> <laughs> Something to aspire to. <laughs> they were
2: like celebrating a touchdown that he had by like kiss. his dad and agent were kissing each other on the cheek. Like, it's just the best. Like, everything about this is the best. <laughs> um, um, so, anyway, that's, that's not a very Lucas twaddle. It was just the best. We're back. So, uh, not fun. So, someone wrote an article about how John the Baptist was queer. And I swear. I know they're just trying to get me. I know they're just trying to trigger me and it triggers me every time.
1: Yeah. Sure. But but
2: you know what? I need to be better. I need to be better about avoiding Jesuit tricks. But of course, they always get me. Like These headlines are so good. I click and I read. And of course, the thesis was, John the Baptist ate bugs and wore a hair shirt, which is weird. People that are queer are considered weird by today's society. Therefore, Therefore- John the bag. There go the logic flow was really simple. Sprinkle Therefore, some magic the dust is queer. and queer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was reading that and I was doing a little bit more research into the author and of course New Ways Ministry posted it. But I found on their website, and I I encourage you to go check it out for places you might want to avoid. They have a LGBTQ friendly parishes and faith communities tracker. Like oh my goodness! A map of places that you can go. Catholic churches. They also have a college's one, which I'm happy to report Ave Maria is not on, but Notre Dame is. (laughs) So Notre Dame, get it together. Oh, Georgetown, everywhere you think. Follow the rainbow. But I was thinking like, I was like, guys, what, and I actually wanted to call in and maybe I will, but this is probably outing it. Maybe I'll have someone call in. I wanted to like see what the requirements were for a Catholic parish to make it on this list and be quote unquote welcoming to LGBTQ people. And so I found some of the highlights. Some of the highlights were, uh, mark lgbtq events slash holidays as you would for days celebrating diverse communities and this is churches doing this uh we have transgender day of visibility day of silence which is sponsored by glsen uh international day against homophobia biphobia and transphobia pride month of course big one national coming out day spirit day it's a campaign against bullying sponsored by glad which of course full-throated mutilating kids support type stuff um And then these ones were kind of fun. Include books about LGBTQ spirituality and parish book discussions. Include LGBTQ-headed families and any programs that deal with family life, which I don't know what that is, but it's not Catholic. Adding LGBTQ people to your parish's mission statement. And then for Catholic schools to get on the map, you have to establish a gay-straight alliance and then establish a safe space for LGBTQ people.
1: I don't see Jesus's name anywhere here. I'm, I'm scrolling. Where's Jesus?
0: I mean... John the Baptist publicly calls someone out for having sex outside of marriage and gets beheaded. <laughs> no. So, obviously... Josh, sorry. No, don't talk about that. Okay. Too much I, logic. I mean... You
2: I- we wear hair shirts and eight bugs. Folks on that. Okay. Clearly gay. Shh. Josh, don't talk about that.
0: All right. Uh, Josh, your twilight zone. Okay. Bear with me a little bit on this one. The senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, What is going on? It really feels like a Twilight Zone. I mean, first, I mentioned a few weeks ago how he was saying George Santos isn't even that small fry, it's not that big of a deal when he was on The View. And he was attacking, in fact, Bob Menendez, the corrupt Democratic senator from New Jersey. It's like, oh, this is unusual. Wait, I I I thought it was the senator from Egypt. Exactly. He's getting (laughs) bribes from the (laughs) Egyptian government. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of a crazy (laughs) moment, you know? But like, Yeah, maybe it was a fluke, you know. But then, now he's attacking other Democrats again. John Fetterman, the entire Democratic Party, not singling out a corrupt senator who was bought off by the Egyptian government. No, 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 that's 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 easy, right? It's easy. Fetterman says, "Democrats." He starts calling them out. You got, you're going. He says, "You're going a little too crazy here by opposing border security." He said. I hope Democrats can understand that, it's, that it isn't xenophobic to be concerned about the border. It's responsible. It's a responsible conversation, and Democrats should engage. I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. He goes further. This, is, this blew my mind. He actually brought a, vi- a visual understanding of what's happening with the crisis at the border so many hundreds of thousands of people showing up he goes i haven't met anyone that can give me a real crisp cogent solution or easy solution on it well what do you he says well what do you do when you have roughly a city similar to the size of pittsburgh coming up to the border i was just like what John Fetterman. Now, okay. Now, hold on. I know he's still going to be crazy on LGBT stuff and he's pro-abortion. I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's a hero. But what is going on? Like, he's attacking Democrats for opposing border border security and Democrats are like, shut up. What are you doing? Quiet. Stop it. (laughs) Sit down, John. I was really critical of this guy, but maybe he had a stroke of genius.
1: I mean that's the kind of evidence that we try to bring to the cast. Like, okay, so there have been two hundred and seventy thousand border crossings in the last eleven months. Oh, that's the size of Pittsburgh. <laughs> so let's just point that out. And you're like, oh, this is so rational. Yeah, that this logic flows better
2: than speaking of people in the party attacking. Did you see Kevin McCarthy's comments about Republicans? I did not. Right after he abandoned his post, so he's he's not. I think he's stepping down. Yeah,
0: at the end of the year, he's got got to cash in on the lobbyist stuff.
2: Of course, but this is, of course, hurting the Republican Party, the people and the people that elected him to represent them throughout his term, in which he's abandoning them. Right. So he said at a gala that he said the Democratic Party actually looks like its constituents. They're diverse. The Republican oh, Party looks like goodness. the oldest country club of all time. Kevin, the oldest,
1: McCarthy
0: oldest is country, country saying club of this. all time. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. We have hit the twilight. Oh, so we are my officially in it.
0: Goodness. Like <laughs> the Democratic Party isn't just, I mean, he's looking at the Democratic Party for being racially representative of its party. It's like, well, wait Probably. a minute now. The Democratic Party is is a step ahead of the GOP in one sense. They actually represent their voters. What an idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I, t- I bring this up to people that they don't believe me, but John McCain was running for re-election back like in 06 or 08 or whatever it was. Uh, oh, it must have been 06. It was before president. So 06 or something like that. And he goes, build the dang fence. He had all these ads in there because Arizona Republicans are like, dude, we got a problem with the Southern border. And he goes, ah, build the dang fence. It's like, and then what happens? He gets to Washington, gets reelected. Six months later, he's part of the gang of eight amnesty plan. It's like, you are so full of crap. This is what <laughs> Republican, uh, elected officials due to their own voters, not just the, the whole state, but the people that put them in office. And so why do you think Donald Trump comes along and says, I'm just going to be purely transactional? What do you want? You want A, B, and C? Okay, I'll fight for A, B, and C. And, and voters are like, thank you. Because you have such, too many times you have these politicians like George W. Bush. I always love to talk about this. In 2004, he's running for president and Ohio's got a, on its ballot an amendment, should we have marriage between a man and a woman? And G- George W. Bush lo- looked to Carl Rove and his guys and they said, yeah, we need to rally this because if this, be- this ballot issue w- becomes big, a lot of evangelical Christians will come out and vote. And if they come out and vote for this marriage amendment, they'll also vote for you, George. So you got to be in favor of this bill, this p- ballot initiative. You got to talk about marriage between a man and a woman because Ohio is going to be everything. If you win Ohio, you'll win the election. And so George W. Bush did it. He used the issue of marriage only to get reelected. And why did I say only? Because by January of the next year, just a few weeks before he got sworn in for a second term, he said, I'm not going to call for any um, federal marriage amendment. I'm not even going to ask for a vote in the Senate. So he totally used that just to get elected and he dropped it like a hot rock right afterwards. And just like McCain did on the border, and you do this enough times and voters in your party will start losing their marbles and they'll be like, I'm just going to go for someone who I, 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 you know, I can't trust any of you. And then that's why when the Republican establishment is like, well, Donald Trump seems like a guy who lies all the time. Why would you trust him? I can't trust McCain. I can't trust <laughs> Bush. What I can't trust anyone. And this guy comes along and says, "So true." let me count the and ways. And Trump's like, you don't trust me. So how about this? We're in this together and I'm going to do these things and whatever. And I, I have to say, I didn't trust Donald Trump at all. And he actually surprised me by being the first Republican president I could think of in my lifetime, at least in my adult life, that actually did what he said. What a crazy idea. He doesn't understand that most Republican politicians that get elected and they just absolutely do not do anything that their voters call for. And Donald Trump didn't realize this. He goes, wait a minute, the evangelicals that put me in power, they want the... The embassy to be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Okay, so I do it and he does it. And everyone's like, wait, wait what? You're actually going to do what you said? That's not how it's supposed to work. So that now you start to understand why, when Donald Trump's running for, you know, in, in the presidential race here, why is he 40, 50 points above everyone else? I mean, I like DeSantis. Yeah. He
1: doesn't even have to
0: engage. People are like, wait a minute. He, he actually did what he said he would do.
2: Yeah. Hey, Josh, you just put on an absolute clinic after hearing that comment to start the episode about you having your own podcast. I mean, you're just proving them right at this point. And maybe you did plant that. I'm still not sold that that wasn't you or a daughter or or a confidant, but that was amazing. I mean, this was like a a flu game Michael Jordan moment for you. I mean, not in your home (laughs) environment. You're in Chicago. (laughs) You just pulled up and just crushed it. So- I just want to give you kudos. The I'm here to surf. award.
1: That goes to Josh.
2: <laughs> All right. And then that does it for this episode of Loopcast. Help us out. Reviews. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, and we will end with Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Thomas More, St. Fidelis. Pray for us. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.